Hi, I'm Mike Snyder. You may have heard me on Back to the Futurama in Good Morning Greendale. On this podcast, I've brought my own soapbox, and I want to talk about things that I find interesting. Today, I'll be talking about Alaska. Before I begin, I believe it is important to acknowledge that the subject of my essay is traditional land of many native Alaskan tribes. My birthplace, Anchorage, Alaska, is on traditional Denina land. I also want to acknowledge that I write this while on traditional Cowlitz and Clackamas lands, and I grew up on the traditional Tutelo land. The land I am discussing has been stolen from those tribes, and the tribes were forced to be removed from them. The indigenous people of these tribes are not relics of the past and are worth celebrating. There are organizations that work towards the mission of indigenous prosperity. I have links to the Native American Rights Fund, the Partnership for Native Americans, and the Alaska Native Justice Center in the show notes. If you are listening from a land that the indigenous peoples were removed from, please work towards identifying what land you are sitting on and how you can help the indigenous peoples that currently live in your region. I have included the Native Land Map from Native Land Digital, a Canadian not-for-profit organization which is indigenous-led, as a way to find out what traditional land you may be on. Alaska is the extreme northwest part of North America and is the 49th state of the United States. Long before it became a state, it is theorized that over 16,000 years ago, the Bering Land Bridge connected what is now Northeast Russia and Alaska, allowing humans to cross between the two locations as per the United States National Park Service. In 1741, Vitus Bering, part of the Russian Navy, sided the Alaskan mainland, leading Russia to colonize settlements in Alaska for the seal and sea otter fur trade as per Britannica. The first Russian settlement was established in 1784 near current-day Kodiak. The native Alaskans were pressed into service hunting the seals for their fur, with the Russians overworking them to death. Other native Alaskans were killed outright or killed by diseases brought by the Russians. Russia decided to divest themselves of Alaska and recognized that settling the land to the United States would disrupt the plans of their rival, Great Britain, according to the Office of the Historian of the United States Department of State. The American Civil War briefly delayed the sale, but in 1867, Secretary of State William Seward negotiated a $7.2 million price, with the United States Senate approving, as well as President Andrew Johnson, leading Alaska to be a territory of the United States once it was transferred in October 1867. In the late 1890s, gold was discovered in the Yukon Territory, spurring the Klondike Gold Rush. Many prospectors flowed into Skagway and Daiya on their way to Dawson City in the Canadian Yukon Territory through treacherous terrain and terrible weather, as per the History Channel. The gold was fleeting, as the gold veins were tapped. The Klondike Gold Rush gave way to the Nome Gold Rush starting in 1899, and the Fairbanks Gold Rush in 1902, as per the city of Fairbanks. In 1862, President Abraham Lincoln had signed the Homestead Act, which made 160 acres of land in a western state or territory available to people who lived on the land for five years, developed the land for agriculture, and built a house on the land, as per Alaska Public Lands Information Centers. If the residents had accomplished those requirements, they would receive full ownership of the land. This was extended to Alaska in 1898, and lasted until the final homestead was awarded in 1988, Over the 90 years homesteading was available as an option to those interested in moving to Alaska, 360,000 acres were conveyed. Similarly to the gold rushes of Alaska, oil was also found. 
The first Alaskan oil wells were drilled in 1898 on the west shore of Cook Inlet, although they were not productive. The first significant oil wells were drilled in 1911 in Katala. In 1967, the largest oil field in North America was found at Prudhoe Bay in the far north of Alaska, which also drove the building of the Trans-Alaska Oil Pipeline in 1974. Oil far and away is the major driver of the economy of Alaska, with the Alaska Humanities Forum saying that about 80% of Alaska's revenue has come from oil taxation, and one-third of the state's economic base is oil production and related activity. In 1912, the Organic Act of 1912 was passed, creating Alaska as an official territory of the United States and instituted the capital as Juneau, as per the Alaska Humanities Forum. After decades of discussion, the first bill to grant statehood to Alaska was proposed in 1916, but at that time it was not successful. In the 1950s, however, the statehood movement gained national support, with the House and Senate approving Alaskan statehood in 1958. President Dwight D. Eisenhower signed Alaskan statehood into law on January 3, 1959, officially making Alaska the 49th state. Hawaii would, in short order, become the 50th state. After statehood, city councils were established in many Native Alaskan communities, which shifted power away from village councils, and the government attempted to take land that the Native Alaskan people had aboriginal land claims, as per the University of Alaska Fairbanks. The Alaska Native Claims Settlement Act of 1971 attempted to resolve this. It is far more complex than can be described in this podcast length, and your host does not grasp it enough to attempt to describe it in any way. I've dropped a link into the show notes about it from the University of Alaska Fairbanks. From my perspective, it looks like a purely capitalistic system of land ownership, but the University of Alaska Fairbanks does indicate that it, quote, has seen tremendous successes and some failure, end quote and I do not have a leg to stand on to criticize something I know so little about. My own personal history with Alaska starts with my grandparents on my dad's side. My grandfather Joseph met my grandmother Patricia and homesteaded in Fairbanks. It went pretty well for them, as currently a road in Fairbanks is named after the family name of my dad's side, Lala Road. On that homestead in Alaska, they worked the land and built a house. It is often joked about in our family that there's not much to do in the harsh Alaskan winters and you gotta have extra hands to help work the fields, which led to my grandparents have nine children, one of which being my dad. It is rare for me to have citations on the personal part of my monologues, but my Uncle Tom happens to write for the Fairfield Citizen in Connecticut, and in 2012 he posted a discussion of the quote quirkiness end quote of the Lawler men, of which I am one even if I may not have the Lawler name. I've put a link in the show notes. He's a pretty funny guy, and I'm sure he'll be very excited that I'm giving him a shout-out. He may even give me a free shirt from a Yankee Games he went to last year or something. One of my favorite stories about the loving of them in Fairbanks is when my dad was 10, and his sister Maureen made him watch a movie called Target Earth because, and I quote my dad from an email from 2018, quote, she didn't want to be scared, end quote. That backfired a bit because my dad, who again was 10, was terrified by it. This caused him to sleepwalk out into the Alaskan winter to try to flee the robots from the film, which then gave him frostbite on his feet. Fortunately, he was able to keep his feet, and he's mostly fine physically. I don't think he's fine emotionally about it, but he does watch the movie on birthdays divisible by 20, so that seems alright. My dad was born in 1958 in the territory of Alaska. He spent a lot of his time in Alaska, although for a bit my family moved to Apple Valley, California, 
This isn't a podcast about California, though. He ended up returning to Alaska and got a degree from the University of Alaska Anchorage. My mother, who had grown up in Virginia, went with a friend to Alaska for the summer. She ended up getting a job at a grocery store. She was making more money than she could in Virginia, and she was having fun up there, so she stayed. She became friends with the same Maureen that wanted to watch Target Earth and met my dad through her. I was born in May 1988 in Anchorage, Alaska. One of my favorite party tricks is to indicate that my dad was born in a territory of the United States and I was born in a state, but we came from the same jurisdiction. Well, I think it's a fun fact. My mom decided to move back to Virginia with me in tow, but my dad still took me on trips to Alaska every other year to hang out with the ever-growing family. Remember the nine children of my grandparents? He even sent me off to what we like to call the mine, possibly more appropriately named the Independence Creek Mine and Resort, which is two cabins our family built in the middle of nowhere near central Alaska. From what I remember when I was younger, it was all about building cabins, very few breaks, and the mosquitoes are the size of your eyeballs. I've been told that there are now naps at the mine, and my wife seems interested in going. I've balked every time as I remember carrying the rocks for the rock cabin, the windows, and the mosquitoes. Once, on July 4th, Grandpa Joe urged everyone who was about to leave in the next few days to leave now because the road was going to get washed out because of the snow that was falling. July 4th, snow. Alaska, to me, is where my family started. And truly where I started as well. I remember spending time with my eight aunts and uncles, going on halibut fishing trips with my dad and uncles, and flash freezing all the halibut we caught, and eating so much halibut when we got back to Virginia. One time my dad signed us up for a helicopter tour of Denali, and I remember being able to land on snow-covered portion of the mountain and have a snowball fight, which will always be in my memory. It'll always be linked to memories of my grandparents and their house in Homer, which was nicknamed The Edge. It was nicknamed that because it was on a cliffside property. It was funnier before their yard disappeared down the cliffside in the middle of the night. Recently, I was able to go back for the first time in about 10 years with Stacy, my wife, for my grandmother's remembrance. It ended up turning into a family reunion, and it was wonderful to be reunited with a family I hadn't been able to see while finishing my education and starting my career. I've always been a person that's been family-centered, and it had been so long since I'd seen some of the family as I'd been on the extreme other side of the country from them. It got me back in touch with half of me I hadn't tapped into in a while, and I'm much better for it. Now for the portion of the episode in which Stacy has requested a few things for me to talk about. The first is the chocolate waterfall at Alaska Wildberry Products in Anchorage. If you believe the Alaska Wildberry Products website, it is 20 foot tall, incorporates 3,000 pounds of chocolate, and they claim it to be the world's largest chocolate waterfall. Guinness World Records seems to recognize a 40 foot 3 inch fountain from Alhaming, Austria as the world's largest chocolate fountain, although I'm not exactly sure of the difference between fountain and waterfall in this, as it certainly looks like a waterfall to me. I've left links in the show notes if you want to try to divine the difference. Oh, and the chocolate at Alaska Wildberry Products is pretty good if you find yourself at Anchorage. The second thing Stacy wanted to talk to me is a weird dream that she once had about me in Alaska. Bear with me here, this is my vanity side project. She wanted to talk about it, so I let her tell me about it. Here it is. 
So once I had this dream that Mikey and I, we were flying to Alaska. And as we are getting closer and closer in the air to our destination, I look over next to me and suddenly, well, Mikey didn't have a beard at this time, but suddenly he started oh growing a beard, like the big old lumberjack beard and his shirt, which are typically these silly sports shirts or um, some kind of pun, punny joke shirts starts turning plaid and his computer that he's working on turns into a lumberjack axe and you turn into lumberjack Mikey you're like the brawny man and I think that's because the only time I ever heard you talk about anything outdoorsy related that in a positive way has always been about Alaska it's true (laughs) it's true One last thing I want to talk about is my family's favorite place to take family from out of town, Gwynny's Old Alaska Restaurant. I always like going there with my family and eating their reindeer sausage omelet and being watched by taxidermied bears. It's very Alaska. In fact, Food Network magazine called Gwynny's Reindeer Sausage Omelet the best breakfast dish in Alaska, according to Eater. Thank you for listening to I Brought My Own Soapbox. I hope you enjoyed listening to it. If you have a moment, subscribe in your podcast app of choice and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Podchaser. If you'd like to suggest things for me to talk about or offer your own thoughts, you can tweet at the show at myownsoapboxpod or email me at myownsoapboxpod at gmail.com. Thank you to James Anderson for the name of this podcast. You can find him on Twitter at unabashedjames. Thank you to Creative John for the cover art. You can find his works on Dribble and contact him via Reddit and email via th- links in the show notes. The intro and outro music is Something Elated by Broke for Free. A link to the song in the free music archive and the link to the license can be found in the show notes. The music under my monologue is Deep Relaxation Preview by Kevin McLeod. A link to the song at Incompetech and the link to the license can be found in the show notes. Also in the show notes are links to research I've done. Have a good day.